Hello. Okay. Hello, everyone. Just admitting people as I go. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. How are you all? You're good. Lovely to see your smiling faces. All right, we've just got a few people popping in. Now, hopefully, I don't know if any of you look, watched the replay of last week's call, but I think it was mostly just my head on the screen. So hopefully I've changed it and that this that won't be the case this week because that was uncomfortable looking at. All right. Um, how are you all? Just, you know, you can, you're, I think, mostly unmuted at the moment, so feel free to call out how you are or give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down or a, whatever feels reasonable. Awesome. Nice to see my thumbs up. Now, last week was a big one. It was like two hours, I think. I don't imagine that this week will be quite as, uh, quite as intense. Um, but I was very impressed with the number of people who stuck around for the entire marathon last week. Um, yeah, it was great. It was a wonderful conversation, actually, and I'm really grateful. I found myself thinking about it a lot this week, um, particularly as I've been getting emails about values um, and the way that this week's work, you know, looking at inputs and what we do with our time and energy has related to it. Um, I don't know if it's because of what's, happening in the world at the moment, or um, if it's the full moon that we've just had or, or what it is, but there's been some really, really beautiful kind of um, uh, connections being drawn between what we do with our time and what we want our lives to look like. And uh, yeah, I'm very grateful for everyone who's, who's gotten in touch and I'm grateful in advance for all the conversations that we're gonna have this morning uh, or this evening or wherever you are and whatever time it is. Um, so I guess what I'll do, I think, um, in much the same as last week, I'd like to uh, answer some of the questions, obviously, that I got through via email for people who can't make the call live. Um, but also, if you've got questions throughout the call that you wanted to dig into, um, just you know, let me know, put your hand up, and I'll throughout the call I'll ask a few different times for um, you know for anyone who's who's looking to to dig in. Um, but with that, I think I'm just going to dive in. So, as I said, I think this is a it's a when I was putting this retreat together specifically for this group, um, you know, we were definitely in the middle of the pandemic and uh, all of the news and information that comes with it. And I was almost going to um, pull this week's content from the retreat because I felt, I, I personally felt like I had a um, an obligation, you know, to stay on top of all the information that's being put out in the world at the moment, um, all the news, all the updates, all the everything. And I thought about it a little longer and realize that actually I think it's it's probably um, 
even more important now to be intentional with um, with what we allow into our our, our, our space, you know, the information that we allow ourselves to consume, um, because it can be even more overwhelming. Uh, I know that's certainly been my experience. Uh, now I'm just going to sorry, one sec. Alrighty. Um, so as I said, I think it's actually a really positive opportunity um, to look at our tech use and the way that it impacts us, um, you know, and the way that specifically our, our time on, on technology uh, robs us of, of time and energy that I think you probably, you know, realised last week um, can actually be robbing you of things that you value in your life. Uh, now, I know lots and lots of people have had some pretty big, scary realisations about the amount of time they've spent on their tech. Um, I've had a few kind of panicked emails from people, <laughs> um, a couple of you on the call. Uh, and you know what? I'm really, I'm really glad that you shared that with me because that realisation, and I had that realisation myself a few years ago, like why am I allowing 24 whole hours of my week to be spent scrolling through something as mundane as like the holiday photos from someone I went to high school with who I'm not even friends with anymore, you know, like that's an absurd way to spend my time. And I, I wouldn't have readily admitted that to anybody years ago. Um, but I think coming to grips with the sheer number of minutes and hours that we spend um, in ways that we maybe wouldn't want to admit is, is really important to um, moving on. So for everyone who wrote to me, thank you for sharing your, you know, your freak out moments. Um, and you're not alone, believe me. So uh, first thing I think I'll do is answer Isabella's question that came through via email. And um, it's sort of a combination question actually between last week's work on values and um, this week's work on, on recognising that time is finite and that we will not, um, that if, if we're not careful that, you know, our days go, our, our, our minutes, our hours slip by and that adds up to a life. You know, what we do with our time is, is what we do with our days, is what we do with our years. Um, yeah, so Isabella found herself in a position where, um, let me just read it. So going through the values exercise last week, one of my values is being healthy slash living a healthy life, but I feel almost like it's something that I want for future years, not something that necessarily resonates now. This value dilemma coupled with the idea that time is finite is sort of scary. Um, and she goes on to explain a little bit more about what that fear looks like. And she said, well, I know that time is finite intellectually. How do I transfer that idea to a more emotional connection so that I follow through on actions that I want to take in line with my values now rather than trying to put things off till later? Uh, and she said, you know, a little bit of extra background. She lives alone and struggles to fulfill expectations that she puts on herself without outside accountability. Um, so... I think the first thing to say, um, Isabella, is well done on being aware of the disconnect 
uh, that's not an easy thing to do. So I think that the work that you're doing with your values and that digging that you're doing is coming up with some really important realizations. Um, it tells me also that that maybe you are still digging, um, which is perfectly okay. But you know, this is a process, and there is no shortcut. I don't that I've discovered um, to to finding the answers. Uh, sorry, I'm just admitting people as they go and. Funnily enough, the technology is distracting. Um, now, I think that uh, in terms of um, maybe finding an intrinsic motivation to act on those values now, perhaps what I'm seeing is that, um, Isabella, you haven't found the thing that lights you up, that will help you, like the tool that we were talking about last week, the tool that will, um, actually, is Isabella on the call? I'm just checking. Not that I can see, no, no. Um, I think it's a matter of finding a tool that will help you to sort of cut through that, that hesitancy um, or that, that fear. And reading your entire email, I feel like there was a lot of fear in play there. Like you're hearing this idea that time is finite and you understand it, but you're afraid of things passing you by. I personally find that when I operate from a place of fear, it's not a generous place to operate from for myself. You know, I'm, I'm rigid and I'm, I'm strict and I'm terrified that I'm going to mess up um, and there's failure attached to it and there's judgment attached to it. Um, you know, I'd probably look at um, replacing over time that idea of fear um, and of time passing you by um, perhaps spend some time journaling on the person that you are working to, to become. If you, if you say that a future you wants to be healthy and to live a healthier life, picture that future you, picture what her day looks like in a year or five years' time, and then sort of start to um, retrofit those decisions. So ask yourself, what would her decision be? Um, what would she use to motivate her to get up and, and go for a walk or to, to you know, to do the thing that, that she enjoys that l allows her to benefit? Um, and I think this is one of the things that I find really interesting about health as a, um, a value. I think it's really important. And I know a lot of you um, opted for something along the lines of health. But I think in today's society, it also has a lot of like guilt and weight attached to it. Because there's good and bad, you know, there's good food and bad food. There's good, you know, good ways to spend our time like exercising and running and doing all of these impressive, outwardly focused, healthful things. And then there's bad. And I think that that's a, that's a really fear-based way of um, making choices for a lot of us. Because it's, again, failure is wrapped up in that and judgment is wrapped up in that. So in this sort of rambling response, what I'd really recommend is finding a thing that you enjoy doing, Isabella, that um, isn't about failing. It's not about feeling bad. It's not about um, judging yourself. So I, the, the example that you gave is that, you know, I don't want to push myself to go for a run. But maybe running isn't your thing. You know, maybe you could find that yoga is your thing or taking a dance class on YouTube is your thing or um, walking in the woods is your thing. Um, it could be like martial arts. I discovered Aikido this year and uh, I'd never done martial arts before. And like, I suppose it's a healthy thing to do, but the reason that I do it is because it's fun. You know, if you could find something that isn't heavy with expectation of what 
healthy should look like uh, and instead find something that is light and, you know, has that zinger recognition that we spoke about last week. Um, it could help to motivate you now. And I think it's, it's by cutting through that, that um, resistance with something that is fun or light also allows you to, um, to focus on, I guess, what you stand to gain on the other side. Like most of us won't enjoy the feeling of pushing ourselves to go for a run, um, but we usually enjoy the feeling of having gone for a run. So if you find something you enjoy and you love how you feel after, use that as the motivation. That is what you stand to gain by making the decision, um, you know, and, and play around with it. See, see if you can find fun in, in that exploration. Um, and I think that would help enormously in reducing what seems like a lot of pressure that you're putting on yourself. Uh, so hopefully that, that helps um, there. Now, Amy wrote to me. I'm not sure if Amy is on the call. She was last week. This is Amy R, I think. No. Okay. So Amy wrote to me a couple of times, actually. In the first email she sent said, 24 hours, one entire day of my week is spent on my phone, not counting actual phone calls. Um, and she said, my mind is blown. <laughs> the bright side, I'm thinking this is ultimately good news because I have an extra day in my week that I didn't know I had and I'm about to get a lot of time back. Did anyone else, just, just a show of hands out of curiosity, come to a similar realisation? Like, I have this time. Okay. Awesome. Um, I think that it's... Yeah, it, it's it's simultaneously an exciting realization and kind of a bit daunting to go. Oh my god, I've been like happily giving away twenty percent of my week um, to this screen. And what I find is really helpful is to get like a little bit mad about that, a little bit mad about the amount of time that we're giving to tech companies and all these incredibly smart engineers and developers whose job it is is to keep us scrolling. It is their job to keep us addicted to our screens. It is their job to figure out how to get those little micro doses of dopamine pinging through our brains multiple hundreds of times a day. And it, it, it really makes me kind of mad because it's not just like my willpower versus my screen. It's my willpower versus an entire industry full of clever people who are trying to trick me into staying on my screen for longer and longer and longer. Um, so, you know, if you find yourself in a similar position, you've realized, oh my God, you know, this is a lot of time. Use that, that discomfort as a little bit of motivation. Um, Amy then wrote to me a second time and she said that I'm noticing on, I'm using my phone, specifically social media, as a place to stop and take a break or pretty much procrastinate. I was wondering if you have any suggestions or if anyone else has any suggestions um, on other ways to take small breaks at home during the day when you need them that are perhaps more recharging than scrolling. Um, yes, in an answer, in a, in a word, I do, because this is something I've experimented with myself a lot lately. Um, and I'm researching the power of making. So using our hands, using our bodies to make something, to have a, like a tiny act of creativity um, so like doodling, knitting, chopping something, um, dancing, singing, whatever. These all have really restorative power 
to our brains if we take a break out of our workday or take a break out of you know whatever it is that we're that we're doing and that we're finding ourselves needing a break from instead of picking up our phone pick up something else you know perhaps learn to crochet or go and chop vegetables for dinner the the science behind it is that the repetitive motion of things like that of chopping of knitting of stitching of of you know cutting firewood whatever uh shifts our brain out of the executive functioning mode which is where like decisions are made and it's very important but if we only operate in that mode we are unable to access our creative potential um you know our higher creative thought our big ideas our playfulness so taking a break from um, your screen or from your work and doing something that is repetitive that is creative is actually really um, helpful and the benefits go beyond even just um, the neuroscience, you know, it reduces blood pressure and stress and anxiety and all this other uh, this other good stuff. So that is definitely one thing that um, you could look at doing, you know, buy a little book of, um, I don't know, I'm not sure where you're from, Amy, but um, do, you do you guys remember Mr. Squiggle, the TV show? Yeah. Um, so Mr. Squiggle, like you'd, you'd, Miss Jane would draw, you know, two or three random lines on a piece of paper and then Mr. Squiggle would spend a couple of minutes making a very strange random picture out of these lines. And it's fun and it's childish and it takes like a minute or two. Do something like that, you know, um, in your break. Uh, just doodle something in the margin of your notebook. Uh, you know, if you crochet, if you knit, take five minutes to, to stitch a couple of rows and give your brain that, that break. In terms of making time for that, I actually use technology to remind me to take breaks. So I use um, an app called Forest, which I think I mentioned it in the video, but um, it essentially allows you to, to shut your phone down um, for any period between 10 minutes and two hours. And while you're not on your phone, you're growing a tree. If you pick your phone up, if you exit the, the app, your little tree dies, um, which is surprisingly motivating. Um, and you can set it so that, you know, 25 minutes is the Pomodoro technique, which they say is like the optimal amount of time to spend single, singly, singularly focused on a task. And then you give yourself five minutes off. Sometimes I do 25 and five, sometimes I do uh, longer, but using tech as a reminder um, or a way to kind of corral your, your time and energy is really helpful. Uh, but if you, know, you don't want to make, you can use that five minutes break time to stretch or to do you know, some neck rolls or to get up and you know, play with your dog for five minutes. Just anything I think that, that gets you away from your screen is probably a really helpful way of, um, of sort of removing that, um, that, that sort of dopamine delivery <laughs> system. Um, Sorry, this is not, uh, there we go. Okay. Sorry, I'm just checking through this chat. Um, Justice just said meditation is my new go-to break activity, which is brilliant. Um, and like your brain would absolutely love you for doing that. Um, and Angie has been experimenting with doing a seven minute workout, which is great. I think there's an app for that, isn't there, Angie? Yes, there is. Yeah. Um, Laura goes outside, observes things around me, the garden, a bee, clouds. It also ha helps to have a stretch. Absolutely. Um, and Brittany, uh, the Grow a Tree app is called Forest. Um, yeah, and it's 
it's actually genuinely awesome. I tell everyone about it uh, because it is one of the most effective tools I've found. So uh, there's some you know really solid ideas there, and I think regardless of of, of what works or what feels um, feels right for you, it's a matter of finding something that feels right for you. Every one of those examples that people just offered um, is essentially mindfulness. You know, it's essentially taking a step back from um, from work or from whatever you may be doing and making a choice to be intentional with your attention and your energy and your time. Uh, so hopefully that was helpful. Now I'll do one more question from the email and then I might open up to see if anyone on the call has anything to, to ask or to add uh, while we're all here together. So Peter wrote to me, um, and similarly found herself uh, shocked at, is Peter on the call? No. Okay. Similarly found herself shocked um, to, to see how many hours a week that were being spent on her phone. Um, and what I liked about this email and I wanted to share it with you is that Peter has also offered some of the boundaries that she's put in place. Um, so she realised that a lot of the screen time was mindless uh, which is big tick for awareness, and has then has has since set um, blocks of time using an app called Quality Time. So there's a few now that are on the market that allow you to set times either on your laptop, on your work computer, on your um, your phone, to lock things down for particular periods of time. That's actually how I stopped my addiction to Twitter and Reddit was by locking it down completely on all of my devices uh, and not being able to access it. And it didn't take long actually to realize that I didn't miss it at all. Um, but if you're just making these initial sort of adjustments to how you're spending your time using an app, setting aside periods of the day where perhaps you can, um, you allow yourself to access news websites or you know, whatever it is that you feel like you, you still need or want to engage with, but perhaps give yourself like two hour blocks throughout the entire day where you're allowed to access it on your phone or your computer. Um, and it just keeps things within their boundaries and it stops this endless information from overtaking our entire days. Because that's the thing, it is endless. You know, you, like you never get finished reading the internet. You never get finished reading the news because the entire, um, I guess, media industry now is based on like this relentless cycle of news. So it's not like reading a newspaper where you can start and finish and you close it and you put it down and then tomorrow there'll be more news. Um, yeah, putting these apps in place can really help us kind of regain that control. So Peter does that. She has a quality time app set up. Um, but also um, has set a block from 8pm to 7am where there is nothing available uh, to access on her phone um, and has said that <laughs> this is making a massive difference already. So I already feel better and there isn't an email or something similar that can't wait a few hours for me to see. And I love that realisation because um, it's true. You know, I don't, I don't obviously don't know what all of you do for work, but chances are it's going to be okay if we don't respond to an email or a message um, 
real time, particularly if that real time is an expectation of answering emails at 11 p.m. or 3 a.m. or, you know, whatever it might be, it's probably going to be okay. And I, I mean, for me, I had to step back from my ego, actually, when I first started to loosen my expectations of, you know, responsiveness and how long should I should people have to wait to, to expect a response from me? Um, and now I've well, I mean, you ask my family, I've probably gone too far the other way and they might be waiting several days for a response to a text message. But in general, um, my ego really had a problem with me saying, you know, you're not that important. It's going to be okay if you turn your phone off for a few hours. Um, now, the question that Peter comes to us with is um, how to create an ongoing habit of staying off screens that doesn't involve banning yourself from the ones that are most consuming? Um, I think, and I think it's an interesting question because I think some people really do respond better to like cold turkey and to just having a line in the sand saying, up until today, I spent 30 hours on my phone a week. Um, as of today, I no longer do that, you know. But other people, will, maybe people who have that rebellious tendency will respond not as, um, as well to an outright banning. So I think that if you're not an all or nothing person, you know, if you would respond better to maybe some like some moderate changes. I like the idea of crowding things out. So not necessarily saying Facebook bad, exercise good, um, but you're making a choice to find things that you enjoy doing. And this sort of comes back to the idea of making or creating or using your hands or finding a hobby or an activity that you enjoy and adding that into your day before you add these time-consuming tech um, inputs. And what that will do is just diminish the amount of hours that are available to you for scrolling. Um, at the same time, probably significantly improving your enjoyment of those hours. I don't know too many people who sort of get stuck in a scrolling loop of Facebook for 30 minutes or 90 minutes and then get to the end of it and say, man, I, you know, that was time well spent. I'm so glad I did that. Uh, I, I never have. Like, there's, it's very usually the opposite. Um, but if you choose to spend that 30 minutes working on a new project or daydreaming or doing something that genuinely, you know, will genuinely result in you feeling uplifted or, or um, rested or creative or you know anything any any positive sort of um positive sort of emotional response if you add that to your plate first to your daily plate um and then you find yourself only with 15 minutes for facebook or social media or whatever it may be um you'll probably get to the end of the day really satisfied with the way you've spent your time um and I don't necessarily know. I mean, I think everyone has slightly different ways of developing habits that work. But I think if, for me, um, if I focus on that sense of accomplishment or enjoyment or, you know, that, that excited feeling I get when I like run, like make my whole five kilometer run without stopping or whatever it might be, focus on that. Focus on the thing that you get at the end, that lift. Um, and use that to inform your choices. Um, that can help, I think, if you sort of look at things positively. Um, and as I said, I also like to use a little bit of anger and a little bit of frustration to fuel these changes as well. And if that helps, 
like put a picture of Mark Zuckerberg next to your laptop and say, no, not today. You don't get my time today. Uh, like do that, you know, um, whatever kind of, whatever kind of uh, resonates with you, do that. Um, you know, poor Zuckerberg, like there's Twitter and there's all other kind of tech entrepreneurs, but he seems to cop it anyway. Um, no, yeah, I actually, I've never done that, but I, I think I might even consider doing that because I quite like the idea of saying no to Mr. Zuckerberg. All right. So I have um, a few more questions that I'd like to answer from emails, but I'm curious before I do that, um, if there's anyone on the call who would like to jump on their mic and ask a question. Just give me a wave. All right, we've got a few. All right, Alison, I'll say hello. Hey. Actually, not a question, but just sort of an interesting realization that I had during this process. Um, I loved the question about uh, like kind of thinking about my values and whether my uses of technology were attached to my values. And I found it really interesting that when I went through, I like wrote it all my values and went back and put like basically like plugged in all of my inputs in different categories and realized that none of my activity inputs was actually making me happy. Happiness is one of my values and none of them some of them were making me happy because they were helping my fam, like my family piece, you know, like looking at cute Instagram videos of my nephew, like, yeah, like that's great. But it wasn't just making me happy. And that was a really interesting realization to make <laughs> that Absolutely. nothing that I consume in terms of external stuff makes me happy. There's not right. really a question. I wanted to share that. I thought that was interesting. No, but I, I'm glad you shared it because I think that it's a really important um, realization to make. And like when we recognize we've got that disconnect, right, between the things that we value and the things that we are working towards in our life and then the way we actually spend our time, it can be really, um, I know for me, I remember the exact moment that I had that realization. I was quite, I was quite shaken by it because was I really living like this kind of life that I was imagining myself building or was I, was I kind of slipping into these old patterns of behavior instead and um, sort of, I, I wasn't being intentional. So I think that recognizing it is the most powerful part of this entire process because it then gives you the opportunity to say, okay, what if I stripped those things away? Like what if I actually experimented with removing them all and yeah, you might feel a little weird, that void might feel unusual, but do you miss it really, you know? Um, and if so, what do you miss about it? And how can you get more of that and still maintain that space that you've, you've created by removing them? Um, have you made any sort of um, decisions about what that might look like going forward? Um, I think the, the big kind of uh, conclusion that I, realized coming out of that was like, as I put all of these different little things that I do into these like, values, um, was that Facebook didn't add to any of them. Um, and I like, am a member of like, you know, minimum mom groups, and, like, you know, how to bake the perfect sourdough things that I thought were added to my life, but they didn't actually align with any of them. And so my, my goal for this week is just to break that habit. I, I spent, you know, almost two hours on Facebook during the week and I, don't stay in touch with anybody on Facebook. I do that all in various different things. It's just these random groups I'm a part of where I'm, yeah. So that was the realization for me, I think. So we'll see. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and Facebook's a funny one because I think that at some point they've sort of cornered the market on online community, right, and made everyone feel like if you want to be a part of a like-minded group of people, you need to be in these groups. Um, and that works for some people and it's, it's completely fine, but maybe what most of us are looking for in that group is not necessarily a Facebook group but community, you know, and I guess the question then is, how do we go about having those conversations or swapping that knowledge in a different way that fills us up? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. That's awesome. Uh, now, there was someone else who put their hand up. Who was that? Kristen, hello. Uh, let me just unmute you. All right. Hi. Hey, how are you? Um, I just wanted to share, so I did the retreat last fall, um, which was September, which was like just an insane time in my life, busyness wise. It was just go, 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 go. And it was different doing the experiment this time, but I actually chose to do the same experiment and found that. I liked it just as much, which what I can't remember who said they did it as well, but turning off your phone. I did mine um, this time from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. since I'm not working. And it it made a world of difference this time and last time. But it's difficult to think about that for me being sustainable. Like, oh, like I know it would be beneficial but hard to be sustainable to do something like that over a long period of time because it's so easy to fall back into the habits of you know well just picking it up you know turning the do not disturb off and checking it like at 8 30 and so but it was a I did value it just as much as I did last time which my life is very very slow right now um <laughs> <laughs> maybe too slow but last time um it was you know chaotic but I feel like it had a beneficial effect both ways so yeah yeah it's a it's a I mean that would be a very interesting sort of experiment within an experiment for you at the moment being in totally different sort of circumstances and playing around with the same boundaries I do think that you raise a really important point with making um, some of these changes, which is it's wonderful to have like these huge um, sort of ambitions to completely shift the way that we live like overnight. Um, but they do need to be realistic. I mean, the vast majority of us are not in a position where we can just literally pick up our lives, shake everything out that we don't want and stick it back um, and not suffer like consequences of that. So I think that it is important to um, be realistic and by being realistic in your, um, your experiments and, you know, the changes that you make, you're also being compassionate towards yourself and understanding that you're working towards making changes. It doesn't mean that you need to have made them today and it doesn't mean that you need to be perfect. Um, something that I have... Um, been thinking about a lot as I, I've been kind of reading people's emails this week and um, is sort of this idea of falling back. There's a lot of, um, a lot of us sort of seem to beat ourselves up if we fall back into these old habits. And it's taken me a while to realize, but I don't think that we 
we do fall back in that way. I don't think we go back to who we were. I mean, every effort, every change, no matter how short-lived, teaches us something. And we are not the same person um, as we were on, on you know, one side of that change and that, that failure to the other. Um, and I think that that's a much healthier way of looking at progress. Um, and you know, you're in a position, Kristen, where your circumstances have changed enormously. Uh, and I think that it could be really easy to judge ourselves based on you know, one set of circumstances versus another um, when that's not helpful. You know, where we are is where we are. And what you learnt last September will inform where you are now and how, the, how you're, you're dealing with it and moving through it and viewing it. Um, and whether or not it's the same set of sort of experiments or, or parameters or boundaries that work is not really the important part. You know, that's not the thing that we should be focusing on because I think that when we put these um, expectations around what it's going to look like because of what it looked like last time, we set ourselves up to, to feel um, less than in those efforts. So, yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, I'm really glad you're back though. Thank you for sharing that, that like the, the two totally different sort of sets of circumstances that you find yourself in. Um, I think that's really helpful. Yeah, I did want to add to one funny thing is that I actually, I did my values cards like, like from scratch and I came up with the same ones. <laughs> so it's like, these are obviously, but it was for everybody who was doing this the first time, it, it was so hard. I mean, it was, it, like, it's so, it was so hard. So, but that was kind of interesting that I came up with the same ones again. So I was like. Yeah, and given how, like, how different your situation is at the moment too. Um, I think that's, yeah. yeah, that's, that's brilliant. I feel like you're someone who obviously is really dialed into, um, to, to what you value. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I'm just having a look at the chat and Angie also said that she deleted Facebook um, and noticed the FOMO that her teenagers struggle with. Um, did you want to talk about that for a second, Angie? Um, so I'm kind of a bit of a dinosaur. I'm relatively new to Facebook. Um, and so I'm not a member of any groups or anything fancy, really. I just kind of look at what friends post and I don't post anything myself because I'm not really sure how to do that. So, um, uh, but, but I noticed that I was, um, it was just a time waster and because I like, you know, like lots of people like things to do and it satisfied that need to do something, even though it was useless. And so when I deleted it off my phone, um, because I find I'm actually using my phone much more than my computer, even though I work on my computer for um, my work, but my phone is kind of always with me. So it's always more accessible. So I thought, well, I'll delete Facebook from my phone. And I did, I did notice that pang of, Ooh, what if someone posts something that I should know about and I won't know about it. And then I thought, well, I didn't know about it before I ever went on Facebook. So what's the difference, you yeah. know, like, um, and, and I, you know, that's obviously the same fear that I've got three teenagers and, um, and that's what they struggle with as well, is that someone might say something and they won't know what it is and they'll be left out of the loop. And, and I felt that as well. And I thought, oh, gosh, that's interesting. Um, but I'm, once I got over that, I feel much 
better not having it on um, and I don't think I will reinstall it. Yeah. But I wanted to, can I make another comment, just picking up on what um, Alison said about um, looking at her tech use and noticing that none of it aligned with values. One of the observations, I, so I had a similar thing, but one of the questions I'm asking myself is, I wonder what informs what. So we did the values first and then we looked at our activity. But I'm wondering, is there scope to kind of look at how we use our time? So I spend a lot of my time on, um, you know, I listen to your podcast and I do the Mindful in May stuff and do some meditations and I'm trying to bring that stuff in, which is healthy, right? Good for our well-being. Well-being was not one of my values, but I'm wondering now in reflecting on how I'm using my time, whether actually that sits underneath it all, that that's maybe, I mean, you mentioned it a bit last week, that that maybe is the lens that I look through all the other things. So, you know, like loving relationships and, um, you know, joyful faith was one of my other ones, um, being home, sort of solitude, that kind of grounding stuff. And I'm noticing that some of the activities that I use my phone for, like listening to podcasts, like doing um, meditations, whether that provides the platform for my values or whether in fact actually that is one of my values where maybe well-being is one of my values and by looking at my activity I've discovered a value that I didn't realize was there before so I'm you know I'm not kind of sure which way it goes yeah like a chicken and the egg kind of yeah yeah, yeah. um and I think it's a really valid question um I don't I, I mean I, I'm not I'm not, uh, I'm definitely not recommending for people to completely can tech um, for that exact okay. reason. You know, I think that it, it does offer us, I mean, it offers us this, right? Like this wouldn't happen without connection tech. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have the job that I have. Like or, there's so many, so many benefits, even just personally to, to technology. Um, it's the mindlessness of it that I, I find is really detrimental to to people, myself included. You know, it's that that um, it's almost like we we stop we stop choosing to do it. And I I get, I get um, in the notes that I've got to answer someone else's question. Essentially, um, if you're making a choice, if you're completely wiped out at the end of the day, and you're like, I'm choosing to scroll Instagram 15 minutes because I really genuinely want to dive headfirst into that mindlessness of, um, of, of scrolling for, for that time. Um, go for it because that's a choice, right? It's, it's when it, it becomes a part of our life almost without us recognizing it, without us realizing what it's asking of us and what it's taking from us. Um, you know, I think that that's, that's where it becomes really problematic um, because if you choose to use Facebook because it, it um, or podcasts or, you know, whatever platform it is, because it helps you either find a tool that supports your values or because it is actually a part of, of your values, be it connection or wellbeing or, um, you know, whatever it might be, that's a choice. And I think that's wonderful. Like that's mindful use of the tech that we have um, at hand. And yeah, I think that, particularly when I kind of go off on the tech industry, it's because of the way they have designed their platforms to suck us into that mindlessness. And, 
you know, to uh, get our brains addicted to the tiny little spikes in dopamine and happiness that our, each notification gives us, like that is training us to respond in a particular way. Um, I've got like, I've got an issue with that. So if you're able to remove some of that mindlessness, like turn off notifications, delete the app and only reinstall it when you're actually wanting to use it, that's a totally different way of engaging, I think, with, with the, what is essentially the same thing. Yeah. Hopefully. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I don't, I mean, I think that, like, if, if you're feeling guilty about wanting to use it or getting, um, getting something positive out of it, um, you can drop the guilt. Like, it's, yeah. yeah. No, it, was, it wasn't so much the guilt. It was just more that I noticed that what I was using the tech for identified a value that when I did the values exercise didn't come up. Yeah. So that's, that was surprising. Yeah. I, so, I mean, yeah. it'll be interesting to see how you go with that over the coming weeks and months, like whether or not that's something that you continue to see pop up. Um, yeah. And if so, that might be a value that you add, or it might be like, yeah. you know, the lens through which you look through all of your values. Um, or a tool, like you said last week. Maybe it's a maybe it's actually a tool. Maybe that that kind of um, uh, seeking well-being and seeking yeah. to improve well-being enables me as a tool to then um, meet my other values to have the loving relationships because I'm filled up already. So maybe maybe that's that's the the perspective. Exactly, and it could be your like primary tool. You know, like that could be your thing. Um, that you use throughout your life to fulfill those values in different ways yeah. over different periods. Um, and if that's the case, that's awesome, you know, yeah. to, to have that in your pocket and say, well, this is what I'm going to explore. Everything that wellbeing entails is like, is my bubble that I'm going to explore now because it's the way through which I'm going to move out into these values in my life and fill each of those buckets over time. And, yeah. you know, I think that's, really powerful if that's something that you've discovered about yourself and, and what drives is. you yeah i think it is and i wasn't expecting that so i'm surprised happily surprised but surprised <laughs> that's good that's a great surprise yeah thank you thanks angie um i'm just looking through the chat um okay so so jean said that i deleted um, instagram from my phone signed out of it on the browser and while i feel like i have more time there's part of me that misses it um, and is feeling the pull to sign in and download again. How long do you need to perhaps use the more drastic approach? I'm definitely a cold turkey type. Um, I mean, I think it's really nice to have the opportunity to miss something, first of all, um, because you start to realise what you miss about it. Um, and maybe that could be what you spend a little bit of time thinking about this week. Like, what do I miss about um, using the app, like what do I miss about that connection or that um, visual stimulation or, you know, whether it's beauty or inspiration that you get from it. Um, and maybe use that as your, your reason to reconnect with the app if you do miss it and you still want to use it, but also your reason for being there. Like it doesn't, it doesn't need to be an all-encompassing kind of holistic um, uh, sort of thing that you completely engross yourself in. It could be your daily inspiration, 15 minutes, and kind of view it through that lens um, so that you get what it is that you miss from it. You get um, to fill that up. And um, did you want to talk about it on? Yeah? Okay. Hi. So 
I wasn't spending so much time on it as much as when it was like, how do you feel after you use it? And I like actually wrote it down and I was always more disgruntled than satisfied. So either thinking like, oh, I'm falling short or I should be doing more or, you know, or like, I don't buy that, what that person's putting there. And I'm not, I don't post myself really, not anymore. It's been a few years since I posted and I don't um, interact on it either. I just look at it. And so there's still like a part of me that's like, oh, well, I kind of wonder what's going on, even though I'm not satisfied when I do look at it. So that's why I'm like, is it just a habit or... Right. But I did, I do notice the difference of like my daily mood, not looking at it and not having it there. Like I don't have that like mild disgruntled feeling like that, that shows up. I mean, it goes away. It's not like it's a thing that lasts all day, but it's more like, why do I do it to myself? But then why do I miss that when I know that's what I was feeling like? So I don't know if it's just like a bad using habit or just maybe it's the wrong platform for me. I don't know. I don't really, I don't, I got rid of Facebook a long time ago. I don't use Twitter. I don't even know. I mean, my kids use TikTok. So I look at it to know what's going on, but I don't, I'm not a user myself in that way. So yeah. maybe I'm like a social media, just not for me or something, but then I don't, I don't know. I just have a very strange feeling about, about it in general. I get it, actually. I completely understand where you're coming from. I, I don't often get off Instagram, and I still use it for work and stuff. Um, it's kind of almost part of the, the package. When you create things online, you need to be visible in some capacity online. Um, but I don't get off it going, man, I feel uplifted. I feel inspired. Let's go kick some goals. Like, I, I don't feel um, that it's necessarily adding a huge amount um, but what I try and I, I try and find a reason um, to feel okay, uh, uh, like when I walk away from it. So by that I mean, have I gone on there to connect with people? Have I gone on there to respond? Have I gone on there to share something that I want, like I want people to know? Um, have I gone on there and supported someone who I love or someone whose work is important to me? That's when I will walk away feeling like positive, I guess, about the experience. If I've gone and shared something that someone that inspires me has, has put out in the world or whatever, that feels good. You know, that feels like I'm uplifting someone, I'm offering support to someone, um, responding to a direct message. Similarly, you know, if someone's asking a question or wanting help. Um, yeah, it's when I'm on there and I'm just kind of consuming, absorbing, that doesn't feel great. So in that case, I like to look at why and often there'll be someone who's at a that I've followed maybe for years even that's at a different place now and it's kind of just like irritating me or we're rubbing up against each other in a way that is not pleasant and I get that vague disgruntled kind of feeling. I mute people all the time. They don't know um, that I've done it and it actually makes the whole the whole experience a lot more pleasurable because if someone's just on a tear about something that I'm like, I'm not actually with you there and that's okay. Rather than um, necessarily feeling like I need to continue to consume that thing. Uh, I just mute for a while and that, that feels good because then I'm able to get what I want from that platform um, without feeling like it's getting something from me too, you know, like my contentedness or, or whatever the case may be. Um, but the other thing is, uh, if you're truly not finding anything enjoyable about it, it could just be FOMO that's like attaching itself to you, that 
that complete fear of like, what if I miss this thing? Or what if there's a piece of news from a friend that I don't get? Or, you know, I think, yeah, I have an interesting sort of relationship with that because the reality is if I completely stepped away from, from getting information about some of my friends from social media, I would never get any of that information. And that kind of makes you realize we're probably not really close friends. You know, if, if you have a wonderful thing to share in your life or a horrible thing to share in your life and, you know, we don't communicate about it off social media, then are we really that close? And um, that can be kind of confronting too, because for me anyway, it shrunk my circle of friends a lot when I realized that. Um, yeah, and I, yeah, I think that, again, for me, there's a lot of um, like relationship baggage and stuff tied up with, with like, friendship and loneliness baggage tied up with social media that um, I'm trying to, like, trying to let go of because it's sort of, I don't know, I'm still unpacking all of that, but that was part of the reason that I would walk away from social media feeling a bit deflated was because it it, um, it seemed like other people were having these really intense, close relationships publicly that I wasn't. Um, and whether or not that's true, I don't know, because that's not for me to judge. But I realised that actually, um, stepping back from that, um, and stepping back from that expectation um, was the healthiest thing for me to do. So if I don't find something uplifting or something, um, some way to uplift or support when I'm on there, I know that I've probably slipped away from using it in any way that's positive. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Thank you. That, that gives a good reframing because I was just sort of feeling like negative about the platform, negative about my behavior, but I like the idea of thinking about like, what am I going there for? Yeah. What's the reason? Is it something I want to feel good about it afterwards? Is the consuming it just not doing it? Like it's not really worthwhile. So yeah, that gives like a different way to think about it. Thank you. That's okay. I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, man, it's, it's like, it's not easy to unpick all of this actually, because it does play on, um, it plays on a lot of our, our vulnerabilities and our insecurities and stuff, I think, um, in terms of connection and, um, yeah, what we put out into the world and what we want to see more of. Um, so I'm just scrolling through chat to make sure I'm not missing any questions. Um, so Kate said, I've limited my podcast listening to one a day and it's helped me become more selective about what I listen to. I think the endless listening was creating information overload and numbing my mind uh, as well as the chores I was doing. Yeah, I, I actually, Laura, I made, um, Kate, I made the same choice a few years ago and yes my listening hours plummeted but um I found that I was trying to listen to podcasts and I love podcasts but I was trying to listen to them when the kids were around or when I was trying to do other things and it was very very overwhelming and I'd get kind of I'd find myself getting really agitated you know if I was trying to cook cook dinner and listen to a podcast like that seems like a nice thing to do but then if I've got the kids wanting help or they're watching tv and there's like six or seven sources of noise and input into my head at any one time it stopped for what were you know pleasant things to do and pleasant ways to spend my time from being pleasurable and it felt really overwhelming I mean our brains can only process a certain amount of information at any one time um, and yeah, listening to a podcast and listening to your kids and the TV might be on and a toy is making noise and all of that sort of stuff. It, um, it's definitely worth approaching any kind of consumption, even consumption of information that makes us feel good or 
empowered or um, informed, it's, it's really important to be mindful about it. Because I think that's the other thing, the other side of consuming so much and, and having um, like unrelenting inputs is that it stops us from creating as well. You know, it's really hard to consume um, endlessly and then turn around and create uh, at the same time. And um, I don't mean necessarily painting a, a picture or, you know, knitting a blanket, um, creating solutions to problems in your home, creating space for conversations, creating um, rhythm and creating opportunity to do the sort of thing that you're doing now, which is digging into, um, you know, what's, value, what's valuable in your life and important. Um, that's an act of creation as well. So, you know, I think that being really mindful about everything that you consume is, is awesome. Um, okay, so Laura said, I realized using text apps to be connected to my family and friends who live in Spain um, and connection is one of my values, but I've noticed that texting takes a lot of time. So I'm going to experiment with ringing instead. I think ringing will help me connect deeper and quicker. Yes, I think that that's, um, I'm like a, I'm an avid phone avoider. I don't like talking on the phone. I don't know what it is I never have. But I have also discovered exactly that. Having a conversation, be it like face-to-face, -face, via Zoom, via phone, is a much better way of connecting than um, endless texts or Instagram messages or, you know, you just can't get the depth. You can make a joke, you can check in, you can say, yeah, I've had a bad day, whatever. But you don't ever really get too far below that, that sort of surface transactional level via text. Um, and it's funny, I used to think that taking the time to make a phone call would take longer out of my day, but trying to keep in touch via Instagram message, message or trying to keep in touch via text takes way more time. Um, and again, I don't know about you, but if I didn't have the time to respond to a text well, I wouldn't. So it would sit there in my inbox and every time I opened my phone up, I would recognize that I hadn't responded to this person because I wanted to respond well. Um, and then three weeks have gone past and like I lay in bed at three o'clock in the morning thinking about the fact that I never got back to this person. I mean, could have just picked up the phone and had a 10 minute conversation and it would have felt so much um, deeper in terms of connection. So I think that's a really good option. And I'll be, I'll be interested to see how that experiment goes because um, you know, the, the science behind connection um, is that connecting via text message is better than nothing, of course, but connecting via like voice to voice or face to face is entirely different in the way that it affects our brains and our relationships and the bonds that we're forming. Um, so, yeah, Laura, let us know how that goes, because I think that's, um, yeah, a really, a really great experiment, actually. Um, all righty. Angie said that connecting with family via Skype um, that has video and voice is useful. When we can attach face and voice to our communication, connections become stronger, definitely. Um, that's why I love these Zoom calls, actually. I've previously done ones that are just me talking to chat boxes and it was, I didn't enjoy it at all. So <laughs> no, I did enjoy it. I just enjoy seeing your faces more. Um, Okay, so Justice has shared about playing Yahtzee with friends um, quite a lot per day during quarantine. Um, so I've played it for years. I was at the 88th level and deleted it cold turkey. Is Justice still on the call? Uh... I am. You, you are. Oh, hi. Hi. 
How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. Hey, well done. How did that feel? Well, it it was the ex- so I looked on Sunday. I looked back at the week before and the week before, and we've been in lockdown for this is our ninth week. Um, and so I, it just snuck up on me. Normally when I was working, I would play a few games at night. Um, again, been playing it for years, but when I saw that, oh, um, when I saw that, uh, I had gone up to like 30 to one day to over like two hours of playing Yahtzee with friends and just mindlessly being mindless. It really, it stopped my, it made my heart like palpitate. And so my husband plays like a game thing too. And so we would find, we would just be sitting around playing and he agreed to draw, to do it in solidarity. So at the exact same time, we deleted all of our, our both our games from our, and he had to get my iPad because I had it on both my iPhone and iPad. Um, anyway, so we did, and it's been really interesting. It actually was hard. Like this week, there've been multiple times that my brain wants to go pull it up and sit down and play some games. And so it's um, amazing to me that something so silly could become like so much a part of our lives. So I'm so grateful for this. So thank you. Oh, no, thank you for sharing actually, because I think that's another one that doesn't necessarily get spoken about as much as social media. Um, but, but games can really, if we talk about the dopamine hit of social media notifications, games are like next level. Um, I used to be very addicted to like an online farming game. <laughs> I love that. Uh, what I really wanted to do was grow vegetables, but what I decided to do was grow like digital versions of vegetables. <laughs> uh, and same thing. It was, I mean, this was years ago. Um, but I deleted it cold turkey and it was a shock to realize how often I would reach for my phone, um, in that first week to just see how often I would, um, I would go to it. And what you might even be discovering yourself is when do I, like, what is the trigger for reaching for it? Um, for me, it was if I was, um, and this is not game related now, this is just grabbing for my phone. It's if I'm working and I come up against something that's difficult, like, and I need to kind of dig deeper, um, I will reach for my phone as a distraction, procrastination, you know, just this bridge to like some better future that I'm hoping exists on the other side. Um, and I, also if uh, I get distracted. So, you know, if I get an email that pings through, I'm in flow, I'm working and then an email comes through and I'll read my email. And then all of a sudden I'm in what else is out here mode. Um, yeah. What about you? Have you found any particular triggers well, it's interesting that you mentioned that one because that actually has been one. Um, because I'm home, I have to manage my time better. I'm still working from home, um, but nobody is paying any attention to what I'm doing. And so I realized that um, if if things were going fine, it was, you know, if it was smooth and easy, then I didn't think about it. But the second that I ran up against something that was going to take more energy or work, I just wanted to tune out. Um, and then the other thing I realized we were doing, which was just, um, thinking about like sing- singularity of mind was um, playing the game while watching Netflix. So I was on two screens. So I would have the game in front of me and Netflix behind it and I would be playing the game doing that as well. 
And then I started worrying about how I was like circuiting my want my brain to like not be able to focus on one thing. Um, and that was actually a big trigger. But to your point, the other thing, I too love anger. And I am mad about how these games, I went and read some articles about how these games are designed for that dopamine trigger. Like I'm not playing, sometimes I am playing real people, but sometimes I'm not. It's just like, I'm sure it's like factored in there that I would win five times out of 10. Um, but I felt like I had done something on my own. Um, but then they, I would, I started spending money was the other thing. I started like buying the dice I needed, like real money for fake dice in a game that it was just mind boggling. So I'm totally embarrassed. I feel like this is confessions time, but I appreciate being able to share with all of you because it absolutely has been a huge eye opener. Well, I appreciate you sharing because I can guarantee you are not the only person who has found themselves in a situation where you're like, I mean, rationally say this out loud to me. I'd be like, absolutely not. And yet here I am, you know. Um, so please don't feel bad. I, you know, I love that what you've done is now taken that, um, that as a catalyst for learning more. So you're, you're off, you're reading about what game developers are doing to keep us addicted. You, you're discovering that it's not just a failing of your personal willpower versus this other thing. It's like, here's your personal willpower, which is, which is strong, but here's an entire industry that it's trying to operate within and against. Um, and that's really important to, to recognize. So good on you. And well done to like, to you and your husband for going out together. I like that. Thank you. He's sweet. <laughs> no, it's awesome. Um, Alrighty, so I'm just making sure I'm not missing anything in the chat. So Cheryl made a good point about texting an email. There's also the possibility of misunderstandings. Um, and that's actually what I love about any kind of face-to-face, -face, um, be it video or, you know, obviously in person. Um, but if you can't do face-to-face -face, and at least with voice, you get that intonation, you get to understand what probably people are getting at. Um, Brittany, <laughs> to the, the three-week not answering, Thing. my grandma always says are your fingers broken <laughs> passive aggressive grandma that's awesome um all righty so maple has said um okay so Kristen actually just said that you are not alone um maple has said Jean I took a long break so this is um Regarding Instagram, I took a long break from Instagram last year, thought I'd never go back. After a few months, I stopped missing it. All the reasons I got rid of it were valid and similar to yours. My friend Brittany, also on this call, ah, okay, now I'm putting the connections together. <laughs> uh, deleted it. We found other ways to connect and express. Now, though, since COVID um, and some other changes, we both decided to add it back, but with defined purpose. Uh, I decided that since the bulk of the people I followed weren't my real friends, I shouldn't feel obligated to post for every corner of my life. We both also made rules or pillars for posting and following that keeps it aligned with our values. I hope that helps. That's awesome. Um, so Brittany also said I, I added and I created a new account and I only added people I truly wanted in my life and it's helped so much. Um, I only follow six real humans and a few small businesses. Um, Maple, do you want to come on and just like kind of expand on the pillars? Is that okay? Because I like that idea a lot. I can. Um, yeah, that was a long message. I should have just waited to speak. But it's when we started talking about it, I was actually texting Brittany that it's something that we talk about a lot now because it was a big part of our conversation when we were both off Instagram, how much it consumed our lives. And 
a big part of that was exactly what you were saying about what you're both saying that we were following people that we kind of had to because we maybe went to school with them or we work with them and then we just saw like this constant spiral of like achievements and it was just always going on to see other people's great moments and not really feeling like you got anything from it um and so now, like my pillars, Brittany and I have different experiences actually, because, and she explained hers like pretty well. She's made hers pretty minimal and she's decided, Brittany, sorry, I'm speaking for you, but she's decided to go through her, who she's following um, every so often to make sure that it's in line with her values. I'm a little bit, um, like, I'm a little bit looser with, <laughs> with my pillars because um, I decided that I was going to keep my old account, but I slimmed it down completely. Um, and I'm, I decided I'm not posting anything, um, personal. So I post, uh, strict, strictly about my work and then, cause it's something I enjoy. And then now I have a private account for, um, following, I guess, like creative inspiration. So then when I can go, when I do want to scroll, it's really, um, it's, it's actually fulfilling. Like, I feel like when I'm scrolling mindfully, I feel like, I'm actually getting ideas. I'm actually getting inspiration. I totally still fall into the trap where I'm like scrolling and scrolling and then I, I don't know what I'm doing. But for the most part, I think to myself like, oh, I hope like I'm going to go on here and maybe I'll see something cool from the people I've chosen to follow and the people that I'm inspired by and I like see as like mentors almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that is just a little bit more thought about. Yeah. I like, I like that a lot because really you're curating your experience online, you know, it, and I remember when, I remember back in the day when Instagram first started, um, it was very visually inspiring. Like it was really beautiful. It was all, it was creatives, it was photographers, it was crafters and everything that you saw was, um, well, I found it really inspiring. And then it's like become this whole other thing that it, it is now. And, you know, it's always going to happen, but you've kind of taken it back to that. It's, you've, you've made it your inspiration folder almost um and I like that a lot so maybe Jean that might even be something that you could experiment with like going through and muting everyone that even gives you like that little squirm of disgruntlement uh when you look at and like don't feel bad I mean they're not going to know first of all but you're able to then do what Maple's done which is kind of create this space online that gives you something really positive or beautiful or uplifting, um, you know, or aligned with, with your values that you can dip into and enjoy and recognize that you're doing it mindfully. And you can still use it to connect or, you know, whatever else it is that you enjoy, that you might find that you enjoy out of it. But that could be kind of the, the second part to your experiment. Yeah, I like that a lot. Thank you for sharing that, Maple, that's awesome. You're welcome, no problem at all. I like talking about it. I like hearing about it because I mean, you know, I really like hearing the way that um, different people find what works for them because I don't think that kind of having these rules about how to create a life that that is aligned, like there's no rules that are going to apply to everyone. Um, I think getting really mindful and intentional and thoughtful and playful as well, like just experiment, you know, just see what would happen if you muted everyone in your Instagram feed, like just everyone, just mute like your mom even and see what happens, you know, um, and see how you feel and then start adding things back if you feel the need or the desire to have certain things in, in your life. 
Um, if you do mute your mum, don't tell her that I said to do that. <laughs> um, so Laura also said, I found the same has happened to Facebook. It started to be nice to see what close friends and family were up to. And then it, it became something else entirely. Absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, the broader your network gets on, on social media as well, the more um, opinions you find, the more, you know, um, things that you don't necessarily need to bring into your, your life and your, your head, um, they start to make themselves kind of known to you. Uh, and that's the other thing. I mean, time is not finite, but neither is your attention or your energy. And if you're spending your attention and energy, even on the surface level, looking at what this person you went to high school with thinks about, you know, the current political situation, you're like, that's time and energy and headspace that is mine. I'm not giving it to you, random person. Um, yeah. So I've got a couple more questions that came through via email, but if anyone on the call has anything that they wanted to, um, to talk about, just pop a note in the chat and I'll unmute you and we'll, we'll keep chatting. But, um, so Lenka, who was on the call ish. Oh, Hey, do you want to come and talk? All right. Hello. Hello. How are you? Yeah, really good. Really nice, nice to see you. Um, so thank you for your email. I really appreciated it. Um, and if we could just kind of get straight to, I mean, first of all, well done on living a life aligned with your values. Like super impressive. So Lenka runs a zero waste cafe. Um, three years, did you say you've been doing it? Um, no, we, we started last year. Okay. Last year in August we opened, but we've been living zero waste at home for about three years. Okay. Awesome. Um, well done. I mean, tough time to be in the cafe business, obviously. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, what I think you asked, which I, I really wanted to dig into was, um, because it was sort of work related in terms of tech as well as values aligned. So, um, you said that you're struggling with finding the balance of phone and social media use um, that you use for work and inspiration. Um, and then you kind of find yourself, and that's funny because that feels like aligned with, um, you know, with your values, but then you find yourself slipping um, sort of out of that mindful, intentional um, reason for using it into that mindless kind of Facebook scrolling for an hour sort of situation. Yeah. Um, so, but you've, you've already done a few things to sort of try and work around that. So you, um, you deleted the apps from your phone. Yes. I deleted the apps from my phone or I kind of delete them. And then when I feel like I need it a little bit more for work, I will download it again and then again, try to delete it again. Yeah. Um, but I tried for this week to just experiment with deleting them from my phone fully and I just use the apps on my computer when I need to. And I also use my husband's uh, phone for posting on our stories because it's kind of the thing that you can. <laughs> uh, I use his phone to post on my, uh, on our Instagram, just because that's kind of thing that you can do online on the, on the computer. And I feel that it's very relevant for our customers to kind of see this daily. Yeah also the thing that kind of like takes the time on days off as well. So it's, I try to find a balance with these things. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, 
when you're self-employed like and you know in the business that you are i understand the the want like the desire to be in front of your customers and show them what you're up to and educate them um but that comes at like a cost when you're trying to balance this social media and, and life thing i think that you're already doing great like you're experimenting with all these different tools and strategies for maintaining a bit of separation and i think that's probably really the key as long as you know, for, for most of us, if we're not carrying it around in our pockets, that's a, a decent amount of separation that we're already experimenting with. So by using your husband's phone, I like that. That's the first time I've heard anyone sort of use that as a, a strategy, but I think that's great. You know, it's accessible, but not too accessible. Um, and also by just deleting and reinstalling the apps as you need to do. I think that's that's also a really helpful um, helpful way to... I think become aware of how often you go to use the apps for, for me. And I know for a lot of people, that's actually one of the most beneficial parts of that process is how often do I, um, do I pick my phone up? How often does my thumb drift over to where that app used to be? And you might find like, it's a lot. Uh, that's really important. I think because that then can start to drive the changes that you're looking to make saying, you know, I don't really want to be picking my phone up. 150 times a week or whatever it might be. Um, I think that using, as I think you mentioned in your email, you uh, for business, you can use different tools that pre-schedule your posts. And that will also give you a little bit of space. You know, maybe that would allow you 24 or 36 hours where you personally don't have to access social media, but you're customers can still see, um, you know, that there's someone around and there's still things happening. Um, I think that can help. And maybe if you experiment with, um, you know what, I think that maybe given your customer base, they would probably be on board with this idea of like mindful tech use and um, they would understand where you're coming from. So my friend Jackie Carr is very good at doing this. She essentially says, Guys, I'm getting off social media for 24 hours now. It's time to reconnect with family. It's time to go to the beach. It's time to do whatever. Um, and she said, if you see me on here, call me out. And like that sort of engages her community in what she's trying to do, um, but also makes her accountable. So I don't know if that's something that interests you at all. I know a lot of people would be like, oh, we'd not do that. Um, but if that's something that you think might spark a conversation with your customers about it too, because it is in alignment with what you're doing, um, that could be kind of fun. Um, it's, yeah. that's, that's actually a great idea. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's kind of like this external pressure that's not even happening, but it's kind of in my head that people are expecting us to be there all the time even though no one is expecting us to be there all the time. Yeah. Like sometimes I almost don't use Facebook, but it's a good thing for the business to kind of like promote it to certain, like to a different group than uses Instagram or go to our webpage. So we still have the Facebook group, but I go there maybe once a week and almost every time I open it, there are some messages that I missed. Right. And I always feel like, uh Oh, <laughs> I completely like, you know, it's, you want to be connected and you want to reply to your customers straight away and you can have, want to have that connection. But at the same time, there's tools and I think I need to make it clear on Facebook that we are not there and just to email us because on the email we are every day. Mm. But yeah, I think it's no one really wants us to be there 24 seven. It's just more about me thinking how oh, I should, I should do it because like this is yeah. what we do. <laughs> 
Yeah, and there's that word should, right? Like that's a loaded word. That's like a heavy word to carry around. Um, you could you could potentially experiment with putting just like an autoresponder on your Facebook messages. Um, and perhaps you've already done this, but that says, you know, these are our hours, uh, or maybe say something about like our values. We're not online all the time because we're, you know, we're busy working towards a zero waste future or, you know, whatever it might be. If you if your request or if your inquiry is urgent, drop us an email um, and we'll get back to you. Uh, like that kind of thing can sort of, it's an opportunity to push your, your values as an organization and as an individual and get people to recognize it. While also you don't have to feel like those messages are going unresponded to, you know, and you can step back for 48 hours and like the world's not going to end. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about the same doing actually for our emails because like it's the first time in our lives that we are running a small business and we feel like we should be responding to everyone all the time. But at the same time, it's not as many emails because we are a startup. We are really small at the moment, but it feels like it's getting more and more. And sometimes I find myself 10 p.m. responding to an email. I'm like, no, <laughs> I can't do that because then people will people will expect me to be online all the time. So yeah. I was actually thinking like inspiration from your respond email to do something for our business email and just set hours where we can respond and set hours where we will get back to you. Yeah. And I mean, I find that I don't think my, my autoresponder doesn't have hours, but I have a lot of friends who have their hours, um, their email hours set. And when anyone emails them, they all get the same response, obviously saying, you know, I'm online and responding to emails Monday, Wednesday and Thursday from, you know, 11 to three or whatever. And the way that that works is if they actually then are, you know, like, it, like they set hours and then they do respond in those hours and that allows them to step in, connect, respond, do what they need to do, feel good about it and then go and do something else. Because like you run a, you run a cafe, email is not your job. It's part of your job, but it's not your job. So, you know, if you allow yourself to just step in, do what needs doing, be responsive, be like a good customer service person but then go and do the in-person stuff that you need to do as well yeah, um, yeah. i also yeah. feel at work that i sometimes grab my phone to just post something quickly on the social media and then i completely disconnect from what's happening in right. front of me so i'm trying to create the boundaries around that which is not easy but it's important as well so i'm trying not to take the phone and work because that way i can kind of yeah yeah, not be there. And I mean, again, that's another really important thing to have recognised, I guess, in um, in our. I was going to say tendencies, but it's not even tendencies. It's again this tech that is designed to pull us in. Like, I will get on my phone to check my bank account for something, and then all of a sudden I'm on Instagram. You know, there the muscle memory, the way that the the phone screens are designed, the colours, all of that sort of stuff, is adding up to to making those changes in your behavior so um yeah recognizing it maybe leaving the phone in the back office or, or whatever you need to do can can help a lot um yeah i hope hopefully that helps it sounds like you're really in a great position to be experimenting with this stuff anyway um and maybe the the autoresponder might be a good thing to experiment with and see if that releases some of that pressure that you're, you're feeling I think so. And also I'll try to start a conversation on the social media. I think that will definitely work. Awesome. I'm glad. I think that'll be really interesting actually um, to see how people respond. Thank you so much. Oh, no worries. Thank you. Um,
All right, I'm just scrolling through. Okay, um, I'm nearly done, I think, guys. So I've got two more. Um, so Catherine was on the call. Are you still here? Catherine. Yes, hello, how are you? All right, let me see. There we go. How are you going? Good. Can you hear me? I can. Excellent. How are you? I'm well, a little sleepy, but I'm well. Yeah, what is the time? Oh, it's not that late. No, it's just getting closer to Friday. Very busy week. Yeah, I'm, yeah. <laughs> Thursday night feels. Um, so nice to see you. Yes, I remember. You came to Winnipeg, I, I don't know, a year and about three months ago, something like that. Yeah, it would have been something like that. Yeah, yeah. That, was a, that was a fun day. I liked that day. Me too. Um, so I just wanted to talk about your email because I, I love how you sort of worked through the last couple of weeks um, that you've, you've kind of processed. You started out with your values um, and uh, have sort of identified the values at this point. You've identified your values and you've also identified the tools that you use um, with kind of frequency and want to use with frequency to move towards those values. Um, but the one that you really focus on is presence, which is such a beautiful word. Um, and I think that presence and inputs are a really interesting kind of combination. So I guess where you're at right now this week with the, the work that we're doing um, would have been, I don't know, have you found it challenging to kind of make presence and inputs and, and technology fit together or have you found it um, helpful in sort of uh, recalibrating what you want that to look like? I think it's the latter. I think that, um, so when I came to my realization about my values, which didn't happen actually until after, after, after I listened to your second video around inputs and I had been trying with the list that I had put together all week and it, it just wasn't fitting with everything that I was doing in particular my work and yet I felt you know I need to find a way to infuse my values into my work and so that's when I sort of backed up and thought about all of these inputs and when I'm happy at work and when I'm not at happy and it's home and when and it all sort of came down to if I feel connected and present and in the moment with the people who I'm with or with nature or with myself in solitude, uh, that's when I felt aligned and that's when I felt alive. And then I think almost immediately after when I had this aha, then, I'm, then I took Facebook off my phone. I took Instagram off my phone. I, I removed my news apps. And what a time to be, 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 um, be getting rid of those at the moment. I need to watch them for my work because we're, you know, I work in social services and we need to understand what's happening with COVID. But I decided I'm only going to look a couple times a day. And um, so, so I think that feels very freeing. And I feel like I have been able to be more present. But I've also found that when I kind of go into that place in my mind where I'm not present, um, that's when I want my Facebook. Right. <laughs> right. It's very interesting. 
it's 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 like a crutch almost it's like I, I a distraction when I don't like what's inside my mind but I'm so agitated that I don't want to be outside either yeah and I think that's um that's an incredibly powerful thing to have realized like what you just what you just articulated is really important like um <laughs> I don't want to be, I don't, I don't, I'd like, I don't want to go there, you know, so let me go to the place that allows me to be mindless, you know, and I think that's kind of what it offers us in, in, I know it says it offers us connection and to a certain extent it does, but like what it really offers when you get into that scrolling kind of mindless use is a complete opt out. Like, you know, you, do, you, you can, it allows us to like get angry if we want to get angry, if we see someone with a differing opinion or if someone's posted something that makes us like, it allows us to have all of these like sort of micro emotions um, that we can tell ourselves are the big ones, but they're not really, cause there's not a lot of, there's not a lot attached to them, if that makes sense. So it sort of allows us to, to play around the sandbox of feeling without actually having to, do the heavy lifting of it yeah it doesn't yeah. have to be real it does, yeah it exactly does, yeah. exactly <laughs> you know and again if that's a choice that you're making um like and you really genuinely find that that opting out in facebook is where you're going to get what you are looking for in that i think it's okay like that's okay there's nothing wrong with any any of the ways that we're using any of this stuff necessarily but it's when it's mindless or when it starts to really affect um where you're at and i think that once you see how it affects where you're at um you can't really unsee it and it stops being quite so no. comforting in its um oblivion you know uh, well and, and then I, I think it relates back to what you were what everybody's been saying yeah. is is you know our, if, if we want to live a life that's aligned with our values and what's important to us and you realize the amount of time that you're doing this, um, it, it really starts to make very little little sense. And, and may, maybe, for me anyway, I think it's trying to avoid some discomfort, but maybe I'd rather have, be working on how to deal with the discomfort rather than doing something mindless, um, because that's really not getting me anywhere either. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that aversion to discomfort is really important to pay attention to, you know, like, am I looking for something to fill the space because I'm uncomfortable, because this is hard, because being present is actually, it can be really uncomfortable, you know, and I think, uh, I can't remember if I said this last week or not, but like the flip side to starting to pay attention more to our lives and the way we're living and what we're doing with our time and our energy um, like you get to pay attention to all the beautiful things, of course, and all of the, the joys that come with it, but you can't, all, you can't at the same time block out that discomfort. So I think the fact that maybe you're becoming more aware of your discomfort is a good thing. It means that you are, you know, you are embodying that, that value of presence. Um, yeah, it's just not always going to be comfortable, <laughs> um, which is, that's life, I guess. And growth comes from discomfort, you know, change that's right. from all of it. So um, you kind of followed up your your email with a question of basically you've been here before you've you've committed to making positive changes in your life previously and you do and you feel good and then something happens to derail those um, those efforts and you find yourself kind of shifting back you you know um, will I reinstall the app will I find myself kind of slipping back into these old um, these old habits and 
well, the question that you asked was, how do I turn these little bursts of inspiration into a healthier, more focused life and then turn them into permanent changes? And I think, as I said kind of earlier, it's important to acknowledge the progress that you already have made, even if you feel like you haven't when you end up back, like back where you began. There, you can't go back to where you began. You're different. You know, you, you have learned and you have grown and you've expanded and you have seen things and understood things that you, you didn't previously. So even if you feel like you've slipped back, there is no effort that you can make to change the way you're living that will be erased. You know, you, you can't unsee, you can't unknow, you can't unlearn the things that you learn about yourself in that time. So it's not a failing, it's, it's just a process. Um, and I think that those, those old patterns of behaviour are so magnetic because they're comfortable, even if they offer us discomfort in different ways, they are comfortable because we know what they feel like, we know what they expect of us. Uh, and when we're trying to forge a new path, like for the first little while, everything requires intention and everything requires um, attention. So when things are overwhelming, you, you can understand why you just want to walk on a clear path for a little while, you know. <laughs> um, so don't feel bad about like ending up back there. You're not, you know, you are, you are going through the process of, um, of forging that new path. And sometimes we get tired and sometimes something does happen and we find ourselves without even recognizing it, that we are back on that, that path because I just, need to know where I am for a minute but that doesn't mean that you haven't you haven't made progress you have you know and every time kind of shifting towards those patterns and those behaviors and those values that you're you're walking towards is going to be easier and easier um, so I don't want you to feel like any um, any any journey back to those old patterns of behavior is a failing because it's not um, I also find that focusing on your why as in what you stand to gain by letting go of these old patterns of behavior is really powerful uh so you know is there something that you hope to gain like if you could visualize or describe just a, a small example of something that you hope to gain by living with more presence um you don't have to share it but can, can you get something mm -hmm. in your mind that that is clear yeah, I love I love what you're saying there on a number of fronts. I I because I do think I'm the kind of person that beats myself up when I feel like okay, you know, I've fallen off the wagon, you know, I'm eating the cookies again, whatever whatever it is. <laughs> um, but I love what you're saying, you know, because I'm I'm not a young chicken anymore. I'm, you know, five zero now, and and I really when I in the last couple of weeks even I realized. How, how differently I look at the world and how much I've learned. And so even though I feel like I have so far to go, I, I, yeah, I'm not who I was five years ago or 10 years ago. And a lot of that's really positive. And so I think remembering that, and as you say, setting, set, reminding myself of, 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 of what I continue to strive for. I, I like that too. So thank you. That's okay. No, I'm, I'm, yeah. glad, it, I'm glad it helped because I think we're on the whole, very good at being compassionate and encouraging towards other people. Um, and when it comes to ourselves, we like take any opportunity to wield that big stick and, you know, kind of beat ourselves up with it when for any perceived failing. But there isn't the, the like the point from the, the path from here to there is not straight and it's not, we can't even see it all, but 
Um, I think the, the key is awareness. The key is recognizing what you're working towards yeah. and why, you know, what you stand to gain again by making these changes and using that as a focus. I often find that that's very motivating. Like I may not want to make this decision right in this moment um, because I want comfort, because I'm tired, because, because, because. But if I look at what I stand to gain by making this choice today, right now, that's what I'm heading towards, you know, and that's a very positive feeling rather than um, like a negative, um, it's, a, it's not a negative conversation that I'm having with myself, it's a positive, this is what I'm moving towards sort of thing. After. Um, the other thing I guess is if you're finding like the fear of, am I going to fall off the wagon, you know, fall off the wagon in, in a week's time? Am I going to, what's that going to look like? Will I beat myself up? I like the idea of uh, experimentation. You know, obviously I, I talk about it a lot, but really say to yourself, this is just an experiment. Let's just commit to experimenting with this change, with this like deleting of, of social media apps for a month and let's see what happens. And that way you can, you can say that to yourself. You can say that to other people who are like, where did you go? What happened? You know, why aren't you responding? <laughs> you can say, I'm doing an experiment, you know, and that's a, a really, that's a very accessible way to talk about these changes to yourself, but also to other people without feeling like you need to explain yourself in finite terms when you're not necessarily hundred percent sure of where you're going to land. Um, and I think that that I find it very empowering to say that I'm just going to see what happens if I delete Facebook for a month. I'm just going to see what happens if I decide not to use my credit card for a month, you know, and you just, there's no win or lose. There's no pass or fail with that. It's just a, huh, here's what I learned kind of thing. Um, and I find that that can be helpful too, particularly if you are, you do have the tendency to, to beat yourself up a little for perceived failings that, that might help. Thank you. That's okay. No, thank you. Um, Really good questions to ask though, and I'm glad you did. So thank you. Now I'm just making sure I haven't uh, left anyone out. <clears throat> okay, so Jody emailed me and asked, <clears throat> how do I connect with people um, without using screens at the moment? <clears throat> Is Jody on the call? No. Um, so Jody has really shrunk her social media use down and she used to feel like Facebook offered her connection, but she's realized that perhaps it actually doesn't um, offer it in the way that she wanted it to. Uh, so she said, I'm looking for other ways of connecting um, that don't involve screens at the moment when we're locked down, that's particularly challenging, obviously. Um, so my thoughts on, on, on mindful connection, if you're using screens or connection technology, um, you know, use it, like don't isolate yourself just because you want to step away from using screens at the moment. Um, but as long as it's mindful, I mean, if Facebook wasn't doing it for you, Jody, like that's awesome that you recognize that. So a Zoom call or a, like a FaceTime chat with your family or your friends. Um, if you are, a, I don't know where you live, but if you're able to get outside, you're not completely locked down um, in your home, perhaps you could go for a walk like at, in Australia. Now we can go for like a socially distant walk with a friend. Um, that's a nice thing to do. And if you can't do that, maybe you can go for a walk by yourself and have a phone call with a friend. And that feels at least like you're getting out and you're tying connection with um, movement. You can kind of imagine that you're walking next to each other. 
um, on a bushwalk or, you know, next to the river or wherever it is that you, you go for a wander. Um, we've been writing a lot of letters, which is really nice too. My kids have been writing letters and delivering them to their friends' houses around town. Um, we've written letters to my parents, to their grandparents. That's a really nice way of connecting. Obviously, very slow, very analog, but really kind of nice to do because no one gets letters anymore. You get bills, but you don't get letters. So um, that's been lovely. Uh, what else? Um, also, uh, small, uh, this is not going to necessarily help you connect with um, people you're close with, but like small daily connections with strangers you know if you're in your yard and someone walks past you wave to them you say good morning like those sorts of connections those tiny micro connections um, matter they actually they, they matter to the way that we feel a sense of belonging in our community they matter to our well-being our physical and emotional well-being um, so no kind of active connection is is too small I quite like I, I kind of smile at everyone when I go for a walk and half the time they ignore me and half the time I get a smile back and both is fine. You know, it's just sort of recognizing two human beings passing each other, two human beings saying good morning, two human beings acknowledging each other in the world. It's, it's really beneficial. So even something as simple as that can be, um, can be lovely and really powerful. Um, so Angie's also just added old school letters. Yes. Um, I've been mailing a letter or card to my friends and my sister. My auntie sent me a card and included one of my favourite tea bags. That's lovely. That's really nice. It was so sweet to receive. Um, or going through the checkout with a salesperson rather than self-serve checkouts at supermarket. Yes. Anything that you can do that even just momentarily gets you in front of another person. If you're feeling isolated, um, they're really, really helpful and really powerful and shouldn't be underestimated i don't think you know because i think that's also how we begin to build bonds of trust and belonging and um, a sense of self in amongst um, other people so that's um i think they're all things that you can experiment with at the moment uh jody hopefully there's something there that that is accessible to you um and then i think the final email is from ellie <clears throat> who I just wanted to share this because it's really, it's actually genuinely beautiful. Um, Ellie said, this week I've discovered a whole bunch of time robbers. Uh, now I know why I feel so lacking in time. This is what she's written. Instead of doing what's to be done, I check what's new on Facebook. Instead of getting things done, I search for distraction. Instead of following my whys, I try to discover what else's. What shocks me most is that it is if it's not me that flips over to the time robbers on my Mac or my phone. It feels like a force taking over. She said, oh, my God, that sounds like Star Wars, <laughs> which made me laugh. Um, and she said, it's, it's time to direct my own life, to take over the steering wheel, to realise that I have a choice. I choose what I will fill my life with, to make it meaningful, not meaningless. So back in the saddle and hit the road. Um, and I loved that. I thought it was just truly a wonderful, um, intentional, self-propelled way to, to make changes. And I, that's what all of the conversations that we've had today have shown me. Like everyone here is turning up in whatever way they need to, um, to make the changes that they want to make to the kind of life that they're, they're living. Um, so Ellie also said, 
um, my first baby step is no time robbers before breakfast and no time robbers in the bedroom. And I like that too, because you've got boundaries that can be time related. So maybe no screens before breakfast or no screens after 8 p.m. or uh, no social media between lunchtime Saturday, lunchtime Sunday. Uh, but then there's also physical boundaries that you can place around your tech use as well, you know, not in the bedroom. Or uh, I have a friend who won't use social media if she's in motion. She won't, so if she's in a car, on a bus, on a train, that is not the time to pick up her phone and scroll. That's a time to look around, pay attention to what's happening, even read a book, but to not scroll. Um, so I think whatever kind of boundary works for you, it can be specifically platform related or it can be physical or time related. Um, you know, I think experimenting with each of those is, is the key and playing around with, with what works. So Ellie, thank you for sharing that. That was really wonderful. Um, now, anyone else on the call got any questions or views that you wanted to kind of chat out before we head off? No? I'm very impressed that you're still here. It was another, it was another long one. So um, I enjoyed it as always. You guys always ask fantastic questions and um, yeah, I'm just grateful. So obviously keep emailing me with questions and comments and anything that you find yourself coming up against. And Sunday, we've got week three coming at you. I'm um, looking forward to, to hearing your thoughts and sort of digging into some of the work that you're doing. But um, until then, have a wonderful weekend. Take care. Um, for those of you who are able to, to get out this weekend, um, enjoy. And for those of you who aren't, take care. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you.